So I was reading on Facebook not too long ago, and I don't get on Facebook a lot, but every now and then just to kind of see what you people are doing out there. And so I saw that uh, there was a man who had gone to a concert, and he was very impressed. He, he loved the concert. The talent in particular of the musicians was outstanding. But he was even more impressed because at the end of the concert, there were a couple of the ushers there, and they were right next to his aisle, and they were clapping louder than anyone in the whole theater. They just kept going on and on and on and on. He thought, wow, that's a wonderful thing. You know, they're, they're here working, but they continue to appreciate uh, the great concert. Well, he was impressed until he heard one of the ushers say to the other one, you know that if we keep clapping and get another encore, then we get paid overtime, right? <laughs> so our, our gospel for tonight it is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And we, we have this picture of what it is to be a hypocrite. Now, how many of you like hypocrites? Anybody? No? Uh, me either. Neither does Jesus. It's, you know, it's a sin like any other sin. And yet we seem to have this stigma that surrounds it. We can be many things. We can, we can fail. We can make mistakes. We can get angry, we can, we can even say not-so-nice things about people, we, we can steal, we can curse, but uh, let's not be a hypocrite, okay? I mean, that would be the worst thing that we could be, or at least that's the way that it often feels. So we have, we have in particular those people who preach one thing and then do another. They don't practice what they preach. They don't do what they say everyone else ought to do. Now, we have to understand that, that in the Gospels, when Jesus is talking to, to the Pharisees, there are three things in particular that the Pharisees hold up as the greatest things that they can do. There's all kinds of ways to show our love for God. And you're doing one of those tonight by, by just coming to worship. Well, we'll be coming to the Lord's Supper in, in just a moment. We have the ashes. But for the Pharisees, the three things that they valued above everything else was giving to the poor, which we often call almsgiving. So not just, just giving, but giving to the needy, those who are down and out, uh, the homeless. And then praying, and then finally fasting, giving something up, like we often do during these 40 days of Lent. The Pharisees would, would make a show, though, of everything. Now, these are all good things that we ought to do. We ought to give to the needy. We ought to give to the poor. We ought to help the homeless. We should be constantly in prayer. And, and there's, there's value, there's discipline and godliness in giving something up for Lent or, or any other time. But not to make a show of it. And so Jesus says that when you give to the needy, don't let everybody know about it. Now, it says in our Gospels that the trumpets would blow. And we probably get from that, don't toot your own horn, which we still use today. They probably were not actually blowing a trumpet, but they would make a show of throwing their, their coins out to those in the street who needed the money. And then when it came to prayer, again, 
they were making a big show of it. They would pray in the synagogues, and it would be something like this, holding out your hands, lifting up your palms to the sky, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can pray on your knees. You can pray standing up. You can pray sitting down, lying down. It doesn't matter. But as they were doing this, they would do so in a loud voice so that everyone could hear. And then as, as they were praying, instead of focusing on God, they'd be looking around to see who was looking at them. And so Jesus says, don't do that. You know, nobody likes a long sermon, but we really hate long prayers, so don't do that. Go home. Pray in your closet where only God can see you. And then this last one of fasting. Now, how many of you uh, had ashes on early this morning? We, we did this at chapel here at Emmanuel this morning. And some of you did that. So did, did you go uh, to uh, the Jewel or Walmart so everyone could see your nice little cross, Joe? Did you do that? No, you didn't? No. See, that's what the Pharisees would do. They would walk around so that everyone could see, 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 look at me, it's Ash Wednesday, I'm special, I'm giving something up for land, I've got the ashes. Not the reason that we do this. Now, I don't know if any of you uh, watched the Super Bowl this last uh, Sunday, anybody watched the Super Bowl this last Sunday? So, uh, did you hear anything about the parade today in Kansas City? I guess it got kind of ugly, yeah. Uh, that's, that's too bad that those things kind of happen. And, and I, I don't think the, the Chiefs had anything at all to do with that, but we love to pick on those who are in the limelight. And so, there was this, uh, what's her name, Taylor Smart, no, what's her name, uh, Ta what was it again? Swift, Swift, yeah, that's it, right. So she gets criticized a lot, being in the public eye. Some of the players do as well. Well, I'm going to pick on a person tonight just because I can. Uh, it's a person from, from history. Maybe you can tell me, who was once known as the richest person in the entire world? Uh, just think uh, oil, uh, standard, Rockefeller, right, Rockefeller. Now, I, I, I wanted to look him up because it was an interesting uh, character. I wanted to find someone from history that's kind of controversial. And so you, you can go look it up on Wikipedia if you want or, or in your history book. So John D. Rockefeller, once known as the richest man in the entire world, at one time his, he was worth about $1.4 billion, which today is about $400 billion. That, that's a lot of money, they tell me. So, he was extremely wealthy, and yet he was very pious. He grew up in the church, in a Baptist church in New York. It says that he was a Sunday school teacher. He was a trustee at his church. That's the person who, who cleans up and, and takes care of the building. Uh, even serving as the janitor at his church you know, for a while. And, and he tithed, and, and actually he was... He was very philanthropic after uh, he amassed all of this wealth, giving literally hundreds of millions of dollars away. His wife started Spelman College in Atlanta, which is an historically black college. 
He also gave, gave money to science and medicine. And so by many accounts, he was a really, really good person. And yet at the same time, if you know anything about history, he had the monopoly of Standard Oil. And, and he didn't always accumulate his companies or his wealth scrupulously. In fact, he, he had a mantra that he would try to annihilate the competition. He would say, if I can't buy them out, I'm going to crush them. And yet, he says that all of my wealth came from God. Hypocrite or not? I want to uh, read you a quote. This is what he wrote when he was 85 years old in his journal. He said, I was early taught to work as well as pray. My life has been one long happy holiday. Full of work and full of play, I dropped the worry on the way, and God was good to me every day. So, was he a hypocrite? It depends who you ask. His biographer, Ron Chernow, wrote this. What makes him problematic and why he continues to inspire ambivalent reactions is that his good side was every bit as good as his bad side was bad. His good side was every bit as good as his bad side was bad. Hypocrite? Or not? Before we judge John D. Rockefeller, let's take a look at ourselves tonight. See, a hypocrite is someone who wears a mask so that they can appear to be something that they are not. Now, yesterday was Fat Tuesday, and in New Orleans, they have Mardi Gras. I've never been there during that time, but I've seen the pictures of the parades, and they have the masks, so you can appear to be almost anyone that you want. And they have fun at the balls, then unmasking the people to see who they really are. So let's see who you really are. How many of you would say, you can raise your hand, uh, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Good. That's most of us, if not all of us. And do we perfectly adhere to the teachings of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand if you do. Uh, it's a little more tricky, isn't it? So let's see if you, if you truly do adhere to all the teachings of Jesus Christ. We'll just go through the three that the Pharisees raised up, three very good things that we should all be doing as the people of God. How many of you give to the needy? Uh, how often do you give to the needy? Uh, every needy person that you see? Or do you rely on the government? Because after all, you pay taxes to do that. Do you rely on other agencies to do that? Well, let's take it one step further because certainly almsgiving is, is important, but but giving, the Bible has a lot to say about that. So how many of you give to the church? Raise your hand. Uh, everyone should raise their hand now. Come on. <laughs> All right. But do you give as generously as you could? 
you know, it, it's, it's probably not a good analogy, but uh, I've never let that stop me before, so I'll do it. Uh, how, how many of you tip 20% or more at a restaurant? Anybody do a few? Oh, that's really good. That's really good. How many of you tip 20% or more at church? Uh, well, maybe that, no, that's different, isn't it? That's different. That's different. Okay. Uh, the second one, the, the prayers. Uh, how many of you uh, pray at, at meals when you are out? Do you do that? Somebody, oh, good. That's very good that you do that. Uh, do you um, pray for uh, the waitress when you do that? Some of you do that. That's good. That's good as well. So we're pretty good, pretty, pretty spot on there. What about the, uh, the, the fasting, the giving up things part? How many of you are giving up something for, for Lent? Okay. Uh, are you giving up uh, all your cursing, anybody? Oh, good, good. Uh, are, you, are you giving up some of those vices? And, you know, smoking, drinking, whatever. What about uh, social media? Are you giving... That, no, not, well, okay, maybe not. Um, what, what about uh, giving up your grudges? Are you giving up your, your grudges? You know, when we pray, forgive us as what? As we forgive others. As we take a look at our own life, as we take out the, the microscope, I don't think we have to look just very far to see that we are not perfect in every way and that at least in some small ways, every single one of us could be called a hypocrite. Wearing a mask, trying to appear to others to be something that we are not, maybe to impress a God or, or our neighbor, or sometimes if you're like me, we do good things, just to prove to myself that I'm a pretty good person. As we embark on these 40 days of Lent on this Ash Wednesday, we have this mark on our foreheads. And the words were said, remember that from dust you are, God created you out of the dust of the ground way back in the very beginning when, when he created Adam and Eve. He created Adam out of the dust of the ground and they breathed life into him. But then, as for Adam and Eve, just like for all of us, one day we will return to that dust. We are, we are mortals because of our sin. We are reminded that our life is transient. And that no matter what we do, no matter what mask we put on to impress God or others or even ourselves, we can never do enough to earn our salvation. And so we have these ashes to remind us of our mortality, but at the same time, it is in the shape of what? The cross to remind us that even out of the ashes, even through death, there is resurrection. We say in, in our baptism that as we remember the waters of baptism that cleansed our soul, even as we remember that every day, that 
that a new person arises. The old Adam, as Luther says, the old person, that sinful nature, is drowned and dies with, with all of our sins and all of our evil desires, even those hypocritical ones, where our temptation is to impress God with our goodness, uh, to put on the mask for other people so they would know that we are truly a good Christian. Even that is put to death, and then this new creature arises that has been cleansed and purified, not by our giving to the needy and not by our wonderful prayers and not by whatever we've given up for Lent or even what we've added during this season, but solely by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to point gently and lovingly to the person next to you and say, you are a hypocrite. And then I want you to add this, loved and forgiven by God. And then say to that person, you are so valued. Go ahead. You are so valued that Christ died for you. Say that, that Christ died for you. And so tonight, in just a few moments, when we're all done with this service, after we have received the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that blood that was shed on the cross, the body that was broken, as you are then re-energized, recreated and forgiven, go home and wash off the dust. The dirt representing the sin because that's what Christ has done for you. And you will indeed once again, tonight and every night, Take off that mask, and you are the saint that God intends for you to be. Go with me on these 40 days, these 40 days of Lent, this incredible journey that begins tonight and ends finally with the resurrection. And each and every day, die with Christ and rise with him anew. Amen? Amen. This evening, before we get to our prayers, just a reminder again, if you have